perfect. We're officially recording. It is, uh, this is interesting. This I think this is my first official quarantine or stay at home or whatever it is podcast. So this is pretty exciting. Um, the I'm with Amanda Ben Cosme. I said it right that time because I butchered it when I talked to your husband. Yeah, absolutely. The funny part was I, I, I actually, I think I practiced it like two or three times before I started the recording with him and I still butchered it. So I, I felt bad about that and I practiced before I got you on tonight. <laughs> so I'm, I'm with Amanda. Amanda is the, the, the head coach at St. John's High School, the, the girls coach, head girls coach at St. John's High School here in Houston. Um, we were talking a little bit before we got started. She's my, my, my first official girls coach, which I'm super excited about. Um, I, I've gotten a lot of feedback. I've received a lot of feedback of, of people wanting to hear interviews and discussions about the girls game. So I'm, I'm super excited to have you on. Um, super excited to talk to you. Um, super okay. excited. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. St. John's. I'm excited because there's a lot of history at St. John's, right? I, I, don't, I don't know enough. I don't know enough about girls lacrosse, but I know enough about my local lacrosse history to know that there's a there's a, a history of girls lacrosse at St. John's, so I'm I'm pretty right. excited to to dig into that. Um, so we'll kind of start where I start with everybody, right? Which is just I know you've got, um, I think I say I know like I'm some like I really have some idea. I'm pretty sure you've got a pretty extensive lacrosse background. Is that correct? Kind of, kind of in the coaching realm a little bit, I guess, but. But you, but you, you, you played growing up, right? Is that correct? So, despite the fact that I'm from the East Coast and originally from New York, my particular high school actually didn't get a program until I was entering ninth grade. So I really didn't start until I started like the end of my middle school um, years and then into high school. And that's really when the program kicked off. And now, you know, like I'll go back and check and stuff and they're one of the top schools in my area which is super cool because you know I was literally on the first team of my high school and I actually scored the first four goals of the program history but only because one of my best friends didn't have her um like she wasn't medically cleared so that was that was the only reason otherwise she I'm sure would have had the first couple goals because (laughs) she was much faster and, and taller and had all the things but so, so, so yeah, I actually, I didn't start until, um, end of middle school, got into high school and then really from there, I kind of, you know, it hung with me and, and it took off. So when you played, you, you mentioned you started in middle school, but it almost sounds like there may have been a little gap there between middle school and when you played in high school. But when you started in middle school, A, where was this? And B, how did you start? Right. Was it, was it a family member? Was it kids in the neighborhood? Right. How, how did that start? So honestly, I grew up playing um, softball in the spring and then at the end of middle school going into high school, we heard that my school was looking to get a girls lacrosse program and as long as there was enough interest. So my best friend at the time and I, we went out and, and bought sticks and it was, you know, totally up our alley, a sport that you're constantly running up and down a little more exciting than I found softball to be just personal opinion. Um, so, so we really just started throwing around and we would throw around any second we got. So then, um, by the time we got into high school, we were expecting to have a team and we 
you know, we're able to have enough girls and field a team for that first year. So when you were, this was your, your freshman year, you, you had a team that freshman year, is that correct? Yeah, we had a, that was the first official team of, um, I went to a little high school in Binghamton, New York called Shenango Forks. Um, so that was the first official girls lacrosse team they had. What was the name of the school? Shenango Forks. I know it's not, it's nothing too, too exciting. They're mostly known for football, but it's like peanuts now that I live down in Texas. What, um, and what, so what year was this that, that you were a freshman in high school? Oh, uh, let's see. I, well, I graduated in 2005. Okay. So 2001. Gotcha. Dating myself a little. That's hardly dating yourself, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> so when you, the, when you said your, 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 your high school got a team, was, at that point, was was girls lacrosse was that a sanctioned school sport, or was it a club sport that was organized around schools? How how was it governed and organized? Yeah, so, and that's like the that's it's funny you bring that up. That's kind of the one thing that I'm still getting used to being down here in Texas. So, um, I grew up going to a public school, and the public schools up in New York are a majority are actually really, really great. So I was, you know, intrigued to find that public schools are so iffy down here in Texas. But so it was a school sanctioned sport. They don't really have anything up there. Like if you, if you play a sport at the school, it's a school sanctioned sport. They don't do this whole club and school thing. So okay. that's definitely new to me coming down here. Um, and then the way New York does it, they're just split up into different sections. I grew up in section four, and so we play the the public schools and the private schools and, you know, there's a section championship and then you can go on to <laughs> and whatnot where you'll play other schools from different section, sections of New York State. Um, so this whole idea of club and not being recognized by schools is totally new and at times confusing to me down here because um, it's, a, it's a little frustrating too. If you can feel the team, I don't understand why a school wouldn't recognize it as a, as a school sport. That's a, uh, <laughs> that's a terrific question. That's the age old question, right? You got kids that go to a school who want to play a sport. Why can't they represent their school? Right. With you a hundred percent. So when the, so when that freshman year, when when the, when the team started and you started playing, was did y'all have a, a legit coach and a legit team just right out of the blocks, or was there was there some years there that were were pretty tough that were kind of growing years? Yeah, I mean they were for sure growing years. We were a brand new team, um, and we were playing schools in the area. So, for instance, uh, Ithaca, New York. Um, it's up, you know, on one of the Finger Lakes. Those kids, it's only 45 minutes, an hour tops from where I grew up. And that's actually where my dad was born and raised. But those kids grew up playing lacrosse. And then you move on to Syracuse. And those kids grew up playing lacrosse from very, very young ages. So to be honest, I don't really know why it took so long to get to my school. But um, I think just because I went to a smaller school, maybe. And it it was, it was kind of just the interest of one of 
there was a kid that was a couple years older than me that played boys lacrosse and his father took an interest to girls lacrosse and was like, you know, why don't we try to get a girls lacrosse team? Um, he didn't really know much about the game. God bless his soul because, you know, we were like a ragtag bunch and, you know, a bunch of teenage girls and he's trying to teach a really difficult game that has a bunch of tricky rules. And when you don't know it yourself, it can be difficult, but you know, without him, I don't, I'm not quite sure that our school would have ever gotten a program or it would have been many, many more years until we got a program. And I, I might not have ever seen the game of lacrosse if it weren't for him. Did he, did he have a daughter or a niece or something, or was he just legitimately interested in the sport? He did have a daughter, but she was, I'm pretty sure she was already out of high school, had never played. Um, I genuinely think it probably stemmed from his son playing the boys game and him just wanting to help out and coach. And he saw that there was a need and a gap to fill. So, you know, we had him and he was learning the rules right along with us. And um, he, he found an assistant coach who was more, who used to be a men's goalie coach. So he pretty much just worked with um, our one goalie and in the defense and stuff. And, you know, from there on out, we kind of just all figured it out ourselves. And for sure, I, I pretty much remember going out and playing games and just being slaughtered every single game. Um, but, you know, it, it's a really fun game, so... Did um, so is he? Was he a permanent fixture as a coach there, or at some point did did he move on? Did you did you have him as your coach all four years? How, how did that work? Yeah, he was my coach all four years. Um, to be honest, I'm not quite sure when he phased out. Um, I know they you know have a couple different coaches now, but to be honest, I the last time I looked, they still have male coaches and ones that you know, played men's lacrosse, which I think is interesting in the whole girls lacrosse game is I feel like a lot of the younger generations are growing up with men coaching them who have played boys lacrosse or, you know, have seen the game of lacrosse. But it's interesting because boys and, boys and girls lacrosse, while they share the lacrosse name, they're two totally different sports. Yeah, absolutely they are. And that's what <laughs> I've I've tried desperately in the past to try to figure out the girls game on my own and I've I've, I've failed horribly at it. And I, I think you're right. I think a lot of people who who don't know the sports just think they're the same and they're really drastically different. And historically, I think they've be, been even more different, haven't they? Is that an accurate statement? Yeah, I mean, even if you know, I'm not that old and I feel like I haven't been around the game that that long but I look back at the game when I played and I mean it's day and night from where it is nowadays and there's different rules like for instance one of my favorite rules playing in high school we used to play with what we called soft boundaries so initially so essentially the end lines and the sidelines were almost just a guiding line and if the ball went out on the side a foot or two you know, somewhere where it was relatively still close to the playing field, you could just scoop it back up and run back in. And I remember vividly running down. So our field was, it had a lot of extra room on either end, but on the side, alongside the bleachers, there was only like a foot or two. And I remember going for a ball 
and somebody having to pick up their feet as I scooped up the ball and just ran back in. So, you know, nowadays, like, the rules changed, and you have hard boundaries, and if you throw the ball out, it's out, and, you know, it's a turnover or whatnot. But I think playing with those soft boundaries was probably one of the best things ever. It was so much fun. Um, But other than that, like, you just look at the pace of the game and the skills are just – there's it's just progressed so much and it's unreal watching what some of these collegiate players can do um and their stick skills and and whatever else are just it's phenomenal it's really really cool to watch the so you mentioned you 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 all took your fair amount of beatings early on in your high school career You, you played all four years all four years with the same coach i mean how did that how did that team change and did your success change over time did gradually um I mean in four years it feels like a long time but truthfully like with girls lacrosse it's such a finite sport it's so it's such like fine motor skills and fine tuning things that if you don't really it's one of those sports if you don't work at it you can easily see your flaws I feel like somebody who doesn't have the the best say soccer skills can go out and look semi-decent in a game um in lacrosse, if you cannot throw and catch, those are the two main things, you just cannot be success, like successful. There's just no way. So, you know, in those four years, we definitely improved, but I feel like our greater, um, our greatest victory was just starting the program and getting the ball rolling. I don't, I don't think any of us were out there thinking we're trying to go out and win a state championship because that was just so out of reach um but I look back and I'm happy we at least got traction and and now I look back and the program is super successful and one of the top in the area so um I think we did our job with that despite the number of losses we held did uh you had mentioned that the you know that the, that the school you know the, the idea of a, a school sanctioned sport or a school recognized sport right that, that really didn't sound like it was a thing right it's you know you, you got a group of athletes who wanted to get together and represent their school <coughs> did did you play outside of that school team i mean was was there for for girls in the off season was there an opportunity to play on on travel teams or pick up games or or any of that or was the school team really your only outlet? No, I mean, there was a ton of stuff offered. I remember in the winter, we did indoor. We did, um, I believe it was like 77, 88, um, you know, with no no restraining lines or, you know, and the restraining lines are the lines pretty much you have to hold either for offensive or for defensive players. Um so I did that in the winter and then in the summer I did, you know, a summer league where we played once or twice every week and there was just a ton of teams. So there was a couple summers that my, my specific school didn't have a team. So I was able to join up with another neighboring school summer team and, and whatnot, but there was always a ton of opportunity all year long. How, how was your, given that your high school team was a pretty pretty new team how was your how was your school experience different from that summer experience I mean, did you did you find yourself getting more out of that that summer experience or yeah, was it was it the I same was lucky enough to pretty much end up on a 
a team that had play that had been playing uh, for a little longer than my high school team, so it was a little more competitive, um, pushed me a little more, and you know, but it wasn't anything so so serious. So it was still fun. I didn't feel like I was so behind because I hadn't been playing my whole life, um, and I was a pretty athletic kid. You know, I had great speed and whatnot, so that made up for any stick skills I didn't have at the moment. Um, so I think I was able to kind of weasel my way into better teams and, and find a find a place. Did um, did so? You, you have to correct me here because I think you went on to play in college, correct? I did. So I walked on. I went to Ithaca College. I walked on. Um, so my freshman year, I got up there. I wanted to try something new. I did crew in the fall, and then one of my friends who was from Connecticut, she was like, why don't we try, you know, playing lacrosse in the spring? And I was like, all right, no problem. So we went to tryouts. We got, we, you know, were given a spot and I actually only ended up playing my first year. And then I just played club after that. Um, you know, but probably one of my biggest regrets in life is not giving it at least one more year and just kind of you know, scrapping it after a year, but you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. So when when you went when you went off to school, it didn't sound like you necessarily had the intention of going off to college and playing lacrosse. Maybe. No, I didn't. And you know, I don't. I think it was still so new at my high school, and like I said, we had a coach. I mean, great guy, but he didn't know anything about the game. Didn't know anything about the game past what he was just trying to teach the day day to day. So I don't, I don't even think any of us realized it was a real possibility at that time. Um, and I mean, it certainly wasn't like televised like it is now and nobody was talking about it as much as they are now. Um, so I don't even think I really knew it was a possibility and it wasn't even an option in my mind until I got to with the gun met a friend and she brought it to my attention and I was like, yeah, sure. Like I played in high school. Why not? And the, you know, what's interesting about that is nowadays with the, you know, on, on the, I assume on the girls' side and definitely on the boys' side, right? In the off season, those off season teams are always scratching and clawing to, you know, to, to make sure their kids are getting recruited or, you know, advertised that this kid or that kid got recruited to here or there. Um, and it doesn't sound like you had that experience in the off season. That 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 those off season teams weren't necessarily focusing on on recruiting. Is that correct? Yeah, and I mean, if anyone was coming to recruit, they certainly weren't looking at my high school at the time. Um, and I also I was I also played soccer, so I initially thought I was you know, got a couple hits from really small D3 schools. And I thought I, if I were to go on and play anything in college, it would have been perhaps soccer. Um, but no, nothing was really, there wasn't really any traction. I'm assuming up in Western New York, more, you know, Syracuse, Buffalo area. I'm sure those kids were being recruited and whatnot. Um, and certainly somewhere else down the East Coast. But I think my high school was just so new that we just were not even anywhere near a college 
coach's radar at the time. Yeah, it's interesting because the, you know, my, my context for lacrosse is here in Houston. And, and you know, more and more people I talk to who are, you know, quote, from back east, it's, it's interesting because they all tell a real similar story that, you know, I, th- I think we here in, in Texas think, oh, back east, you know, every, every kid in every town and every school and everybody has got a stick and it's playing and it's, and it's just, it's that prevalent, right? And what I've discovered over time is, you know, several people I've talked to kind of described what you did, which is, you know, hey, in the town I grew up in, well, we didn't really have the opportunity to start playing until we were in junior high or high school. But man, the, the town next door, I mean, they had little kids out running around playing organized lacrosse, right? And they've been doing it for years. And it, it's just interesting how it differs so much from, from town to town, right? That's not the, that's not the, uh, the notion that we have down here of it. So that's super interesting that you kind of reconfirm that with me. For sure. And I think it's, it's, you know, the whole thing, you know, when my husband and I, we say we're from New York, people automatically assume the city and, you know, it's kind of, you know, the same thing, like lacrosse is prevalent in New York. It was all over Long Island and then in certain parts of Western New York, but then there was just big pockets that it hadn't reached yet. You know, now if you look at it, I'm sure it's a different story. Every school has it and it's becoming more and more, but it wasn't always, you know, I feel like people hear New York and they automatically think of the Long Island schools, which, you know, that's just a small, small portion of the great state of New York. Did any of your teammates from high school, uh, you know, if they went off and played, did, did any of them come back to your, ta- your hometown and, and, and come back and coach at all, whether it's girls at, at, at younger ages or boys at younger ages or, or maybe help out at the high school? Did you see any of that where you kind of saw that, that generational aspect start to develop at all? Um. No, to be honest, I think I'm really the only one um, that went on and did anything with lacrosse that I know of in in my years and with the, you know, players that were a couple of years older or younger. Um, I also, you know, went on to become a physical education teacher. So I think that also is, you know, kind of a another important piece. I don't know if I'd be coaching if I were to be in the business realm or a different, you know, um, industry right now. So right. it kind of went hand in hand. So it was kind of, it was kind of a natural decision and it was easy for me to stick with lacrosse once I decided I wanted to be a teacher. So when you went to, to Ithaca college, did you, did you choose that school cause to, to study teaching? Was that the intention there initially when you went off to Ithaca? On a, I chose Ithaca. My dad was born and raised there. It was kind of a second home to me. Um, I always loved the little town. It was, you know, it's a super eclectic little city. And it kind of has every different type of person in it. Um, and so it kind of was like a natural choice. So, so I always wanted to go to Ithaca. I didn't really apply to any other school. I kind of put all my my eggs in one basket and, and hoped I would get in and whatnot. And, you know, luckily things worked out. Um, you know, 15 years later, I'm still paying the student loans off, but I, I, I got a degree, I got a job and, and I enjoyed my time at Ithaca and I'm really happy where I am now. So, you know, so it's, it sounded like when, 
again, you didn't go there to play lacrosse, right? So you, you landed there. You mentioned that you were, I think, rowing, right? And, yeah, I tried that my freshman year. And I think you had mentioned maybe potentially playing some soccer in college. Did you play soccer at all? No, no. I didn't end up playing soccer. I never got any offers from Ithaca for soccer. Um, and so I really just, you know, I wasn't at the time in my life where I was looking to go to a school for sports. It just kind of, I loved Ithaca and I really wanted to go there. And I'm, I'm totally the type of person, once I get something um, stuck in my mind, like that's it. It's got to either happen or the world has ended. So I went, I luckily got into Ithaca and then, you know, I was like, I've always been a go-getter and pretty open to trying new things. So that's kind of, my dad loved crew. Um, and Ithaca had a great crew program and they had a freshman team where you didn't need any experience. And so I did that my freshman fall and that was amazing. But um, like I said, they have a phenomenal crew team, and some of those um, girls who rode crew actually went on to the Olympics and whatnot, and I kind of figured, well, I don't really have the size or the strength to become an Olympic rower, and then so lacrosse came on, and once I started playing lacrosse, and, and then I actually started coaching at the end of my um, undergrad years, and then I've been coaching ever since. So you played... Your freshman year, you played varsity, and then you said you played club, the, the balance. Is that correct? Yeah, so I ended up um, – I played my freshman year. I hate saying this, but I didn't vibe with the coach. And, um, you know, it's kind of twofold. Like, I, I totally regret it. I, I regret not sticking it out. Um, that's, that's, but, in, that's interesting, a coach – admitting that you didn't you didn't vibe with the coach I know and I think I think it really has shaped some of the in you know some of the, the things I do or my coaching philosophies but I also didn't really have anyone telling me like listen you're gonna go on as a freshman and you're not going to get any playing time but you need to suck it up and stick it out and you know work your ass off and fight for that playing time and you know, I didn't have anyone telling me that, so I didn't really know. And I kind of, you know, the coach was telling me she's, you know, noticing my hard work and can't wait to get me playing time and this and that and everything else. And I'm busting my ass and then I'm not seeing any rewards. And so after the first year, I was like, you know what, uh, you know, is this worth it? Or do I want kind of a more social aspect and you know, I kind of ended up going that route because I was like, if I can play club lacrosse and have more of a social scene, kind of the best of both worlds. Um, I ended up getting a part-time job. So, so you know, but, so, but looking back on it, I wish I stuck it out for at least one more season and then I might've stuck it out the whole time. Yeah. And I'm curious how, how that Im impacts your coaching now. Right. I mean, because that's, you know, that experience you know, there's plenty of other freshmen who have that same experience, right? And that, that's a that's a valuable experience. I'm, I'm curious how you use that in, in your coaching or how you have used that in your coaching career. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel like that is the one out of all the things I loved about lacrosse. Like, it's, you know, it's kind of like that saying, if 
if you go to a place and you enjoy it 10 times, but you have one bad experience, most people leave the Yelp review on the one bad experience, but they never write about the 10 other good times. So it's like, that's what stuck out. So now I try to, I really kind of took from it and I really try to base my whole coaching philosophy on, and I, I'm upfront with players and I tell parents, you know, I don't, I think there's nothing worse than a player being in the gray area. I try to keep everything as black and white as possible. I try to let a player know like where I see them fitting in position wise, where I see them fitting in time wise, because I remember being in that gray area as a player and hearing one thing from a coach and doing, you know, what I thought was right and working my ass off or whatever, and then not seeing any rewards. And I think I probably would have responded better if the coach was like, Hey, I see you working really hard, but I need X, Y, and Z, or, you know, I see you working really hard and you are getting better, but this is why you're not getting playing time. So I think that's really what I took from it is just, and especially with high school girls, they, they're are they're already going through so much. They don't need to come out to lacrosse and wonder if I, you know, notice them or if I'm seeing their hard work or where they're going to play or how they're, how much they're going to play. So I just try to eliminate that. I mean, easier said than done for sure, but I really try to pride myself on being open and honest, even though it may be a difficult and uncomfortable conversation. Um, but I think in the long run, it's better. And you, and you think, you think that, you can draw a direct a direct line between that and, and your experience that that freshman season and after that freshman season at Ithaca. Absolutely, I think if I wasn't in that gray area so much my freshman year, and you know, kind of knew exactly where I stood, I think it would have turned. I think it would have. I think I would have either played at least one more year, or if not, my, my entire college career. And so, you know, now I just, like, these kids nowadays are so overscheduled and they're pulled in a million different ways. And um, a lot of these schools, especially the private schools, the kids don't have to play a sport, you know? So they have to play one sport at their high school season or, you know, whatnot. So it's kind of like, I want them to be able to come out and really enjoy playing lacrosse and know exactly where they stand. And there's so much gray in everyone's lives as is that they don't need to come out to lacrosse and, and have more unknowns. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. That's awesome. It's always interesting to hear how, uh, how players experiences right in high school or in college and, and folks who are coaching now, Right, how how that experience in their younger years impacts how they coach. That's super cool. Um, yeah. It sounds like if, if I'm sitting here trying to do math, like simple math, which I struggle with, admittedly. Um, it sounds like maybe you made a reference to you started coaching a little bit towards the end of your uh, college years. So maybe like I, I'm guessing like 2007, 2008, somewhere in there. It sounds like you maybe started coaching. Is that correct? Yeah, so I graduated with my undergrad in 2009, so I probably started coaching 2008. Um, I was coaching, I think, like I said, I was an education major, so I was doing um, 
you know, all these hours and, and stuff down at the schools in Ithaca. So I actually had coached, um, we call it modified. It's just, you know, middle school, nothing modified actually about the game, but it's just the level. Um, so I started coaching modified volleyball and then enjoyed it so much that they needed a modified girls lacrosse coach. So I was able to do that. And I did that for a couple of years. So what, what age group was that? So it, we call modified for middle school. Middle so school. Okay. most school sports in middle school start at seventh, seventh grade, sixth grade generally don't have sports. They're still doing kind of rec leagues or um, whatever, but school sanctioned sports typically start at seventh grade. So what this, this is where I get to, to figure out how coaching little boys and little girls is different. What, what, what were some of the challenges you faced with girls specifically trying to teach them a sport in seventh grade? Ooh, um, I don't, I think it's just a totally different, I mean, it's just a totally different dynamic. I feel like the one thing that sticks out in my mind is especially nowadays girls are much more caring about the other team. Like if someone trips or they fall down, it's like they immediately stop playing. They're like, oh, are you okay? And we're like, keep going, keep going. <laughs> um, so, you know, I feel like that. And I mean, you're, you have the girls that are super loud and, and emotions are just everywhere. And I guess you could say the same with boys and stuff, but um, and I feel like the, just the dynamic of girls to girls alone, it's, you know, who's arguing with who one day or, or I feel like boys can go out onto a field and, you know, either throw a couple punches and get over it or, you know, keep it moving either way. But, you know, sometimes with girls, it's a little more difficult. So, you know, I fall victim to that. I can be stuck in my ways as well. So when did you coach, uh, did you coach any boys youth lacrosse at all? No, I've never coached. I've never coached boys. Oh wow! Okay, all right. So this was 2008. Started coaching seventh grade. So so when you started coaching the at the seventh grade level, did you did you know at that point that was your first introduction to coaching? Did you know at that point? Oh man, this is this is cool. I'm gonna do this, right? I mean, did did you know pretty quickly? Or, you know, did you struggle with it a little, a little bit there at the beginning? I think I, uh, no, I think I always loved it. I mean, there was definitely some struggles along the way, but it, it, I don't remember any single point being like, shit, this just isn't for me. Um, I kind of, I love taking teams and helping people from like point A to point B. So from like the start of the season to the end of the season and seeing them progress um, I've always kind of liked that. I feel like that's why I chose teaching and then physical education more so is just, you know, seeing people transform over a period of time. So I think that's what drew me to coaching initially as well. And then, you know, I had some great coaches growing up and I always loved sports and was athletic. So it just kind of was a natural fit. So how... After that first experience with, with coaching, 
the, those middle schoolers, did you find yourself immediately just hitting that grind of coaching every year, coaching in the summers, or you know, did, did you coach that that seventh grade group? Did you follow them? Right? Did you stay at that seventh grade level? Kind of, kind of, what came next after that first season of coaching? So yes, I did. Um, I coached the modified team a couple years, and then you know would pop in every so often and help the JV or varsity. Um, and then I I didn't coach in the summer or anything. I didn't do any summer leagues. Um, I would you know be traveling or doing other things. And then after I graduated with, so I stayed an extra year at Ithaca to get my master's and was coaching and substitute teaching and, you know, doing all those things. And then I moved to Westport, Connecticut with that girl that I actually met in college to got me to try out lacrosse with her. We, um, she was from Westport, Connecticut, and it was kind of, in that economic crisis time where when I initially entered college, teaching was a lucrative job and everybody wanted to be a teacher. And when I graduated college, there was no teaching jobs. Um, so I, I was like, well, I'm for sure not going to find a teaching job up in, um, you know, upstate New York. So I tried to move somewhere where I had more options. So I chose Connecticut and to move with my friend who, um, was she got a teaching job at her alma mater, and then it was just in a great area where I had kind of New York City, I had New York, New Jersey, um, just a tri-state area, so I just had a little more option. And when you landed there, did you pick up coaching again immediately? Yes, I did pick up coaching, but I was actually I actually switched to um, coaching soccer. I didn't coach any lacrosse while really? living there. So what, this was, you said you graduated, I think in 2009. So I graduated in 2009 with my undergrad, 2010 with my master's. I moved away after graduation. Um, and then I moved to Connecticut and then Ronnie and I were actually dating. Um, didn't love Connecticut, so then moved back to Ithaca. He was finishing up. He took the long route. And he was finishing up at Ithaca. Um, so I moved back with him, and I actually was living with him and, like, his five roommates in a house. And I was substitu or, um, just substitute teaching, getting any teaching gig I could, and that's – and then I – was able to get that same modified lacrosse job again. So I, you know, kind of bounced around a little bit. Oh, so you went back to that, that same team, that same organization. I did. I did for, for one more year. And then once Ronnie graduated, we moved, um, we moved back down to Westchester, New York. And I actually got a teaching job at a private school up in Stanford, Connecticut, um, teaching physical education and coaching a bunch. So when you, so you left, lacrosse so to speak moved to connecticut coached some soccer and then came back to lacrosse right how did that that switch of sports how did that impact your lacrosse coaching that second time uh to be honest i don't i don't really think it had any impact i think it was just and if anything it was you know more just growth and because 
I was actually coaching high school girls soccer. So okay. it was a totally different age group, oh, kind wow, of okay. totally different gear. So it was kind yeah, of like yeah. a new, um, new learning for me with that. And then back to modified lacrosse, it was kind of, you know, my old wheelhouse. And then after, you said after the, after the modified lacrosse, then you got a job coaching at a private school. So what, what age group were you coaching at that point? So that in that school is very similar to the way St. John's is set up. They have um, they have PE from pre-K through fifth grade, and then um, well, actually pre-K through fourth grade, and then the PE teachers all coach like a fifth and sixth grade team. So the way my schedule would work would be fifth and sixth grade would have their practice in the morning. So in the fall, I was doing soccer. In the winter, I was doing basketball and then lacrosse in the spring. And then I would teach PE all day. And then I would have a seventh and eighth grade team because that was their PE. They got to choose the sport. And then I would go and teach, um, you know, I did JV and varsity for the high school. Oh, wow. That's a lot yeah. of work, right? It was a full day. <laughs> so what was... What what I love about that is, you you just based on what you just described, all those teams, there was a shitload of work, and I bet you you pressed, you compressed a lot of experience into a really short time period. Is that an accurate statement? For sure, and I think it was kind of, I guess now thinking about it, it was kind of all you know shaping me to be in the position I am today because not everybody's cut to be able to coach a fifth or a sixth grader, you know, and not everybody's cut to be a successful high school coach. So I'm kind of thankful that even those, those days were long and it was kind of everywhere and I was constantly switching gears. I was lucky enough to be able to coach every single grade. Um, so now, you know, having a program, it's nothing really new to me. Like I, I feel really confident that I can connect with our sixth grade group as well as I can connect with my varsity girls did you do i'm willing to bet in that role at that school you probably did more than just coaching too right i bet you were like the team manager you were responsible for logistics you did the scheduling you did everything right yeah the, the only thing like we didn't have to do any scheduling which um do, doing all the scheduling is a little new to me and it it is very time consuming so that is one thing that I'm very thankful of at my last school was the athletic directors did all the scheduling. Um, because I never, I definitely underestimated how time consuming that is. Did, when you were coaching, man, when you were coaching all those, those, those age groups, what I love about that is you were coaching them all at once. Did you find yourself kind of honing maybe a, a core core skill set or a core group of, of, of drills that, that developed a, a particular skill set and maybe just modifying those drills to develop that skill set appropriately across those ages? Is that, does that question make sense? Because it, it would be really hard if you're, if you're teaching all, coaching all these different teams to come up with completely different skills and focus for fifth graders and seventh graders and a high school, right? And, 
it, it, it might be easier to develop, you know, a, a core group of, of fundamentals and a core group of drills that you can take it and apply to all those age groups and maybe just focus on stuff differently at each of those age groups, you know, or is that yeah. am I nuts? I think I see what you're saying, but I, I think the great thing, and you know, it's kind of twofold going back to what we mentioned before, um, with lacrosse, it's so, it's such like a fine tuned game. And so it's, it's throwing and catching and ground balls. And then you add in the shooting and stuff. So, you know, you kind of our motto at St. John's and it, it's always been like, you can never have enough stick work. And we've had girls from St. John's go on to play at D1 levels. And, you know, we ask them, what's the, what's the one thing you wish you did more or knew before going on? And, and almost all the time, it's, I wish I hit the wall more. I wish I worked on my stick skills more. So I think that's something easy that, you know, it's so basic, but you can just, it's so, it's never ending. So you can just, you can easily tailor it to a, a fifth and sixth grade group and then up to right. a varsity group. So you yeah. can, I feel like you can use the same drills and then the variations are so slight and then you just make it more competitive. Um, so it's not like you have to totally plan something new. You're constantly using the same concepts, which makes it easy to transition from one age group to the next. So how did, did you go directly from that role here to Houston? Yeah, so I was at that school for five years, and Ronnie was um, working at Soul Cycle, and then we just kind of got to a point. Soul Cycle offered; they were growing, and kind of offered him a chance to either move to Seattle, Houston, or London, and I wasn't. I liked the school I was at. I didn't think it was a place I'd be forever. Um, you know, we were newly married. We didn't have any kids. We didn't own a house. So we kind of were up for a new experience. And we chose Houston based on that it, we were, we were thinking that Houston was the least rainiest of the three options. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, jokes on us, but. So that's how we ended up in Houston. We had never been to Texas before. Didn't know anyone down here. Didn't have any friends or family. And honestly, if he had not gotten that job offer, I can I can safely say that I might have gone my whole entire life without ever visiting Texas. So, you know, interesting that we're here. So what year was that that y'all moved here? We moved in 2000, I want to say 2015. Okay. So yeah. We're just coming up on four years, so 2000, 2016. Yeah, this April will be Ronnie's fourth year, and then I came down um, a couple months after. So when you, when y'all made the decision to come here, had you lined up? any coaching opportunities here or were you just going to come down and, and, and figure that out once you got here? Or I shouldn't say coaching opportunities. I should say teaching yeah. and coaching opportunities. <laughs> I was kind of, I, I had liked the school I worked at. I wasn't overwhelmed with it and I wasn't, um, 
I liked what I was doing, but I, I was at a point in my life where I was like, you know what? I think there's something bigger out there for me. I think there's something more invigorating that's going to fill my cup a little more. So when we moved down here, I didn't have a job. I didn't have any expectation of teaching or coaching. I was kind of like, you know what? I did it. I get, you know, I gave it a good run. It's just not for me. And so I was, like I said, Ronnie was at Soul Cycle. And I still wanted to be a part of fitness and athletes and training and whatnot. So I had got in my mind that I really wanted to be a Soul Cycle instructor. Um, and, you know, kind of tried to do that and auditioned and, you know, never made it and whatnot. And so I was at a crossroad. I was kind of, I was in Texas. I got down here at the beginning of July. I hate the heat. I didn't have any friends or family down here except for Ronnie. Um, I didn't have a job. I had a bunch of student loans. So then I was in a minor, you know, minor panic of, well, shit. And I have all these student loans. I don't want to do this job anymore. Um, I was nearing the age of 30. So I was like, Oh my God, I'm having like a early, early, early midlife crisis. What am I going to do? Um, and I was, I, so I got like part-time jobs and Ronnie started playing in a a men's lacrosse summer league. And he's like, you know what? Like, just come meet. He's like, I, I play with this guy who coaches at this one school and he's like, just come meet him. And I was like, no, I don't want to coach. I don't want to teach. Like I, I'm not even going to waste this guy's time because it's, it's like a zero interest to me. Um, and he's like, come on, come on. Like, you know, the next week tried to do the same thing. And I was like, no. So he's like, all right, all right. So I'm working, I'm working a part-time job at anthropology and, you know, I liked retail. I liked the girls I worked with. So I was like, all right, this isn't, you know, making me a millionaire, but it's, you know, helping me meet people and acclimate me to Houston. So it's not all that bad, you know, and in, and I was just in a weird mood one day and feeling homesick or whatever, which I never get homesick. And in walks a woman with a Boston hat on and an STX lanyard. And I see her from the cash register and I'm like, oh my God, I'm like someone from the East. I need to talk to her. I just need a little slice of something from the East. So, so she's waiting in line. I'm at the cash register. I'm like ringing someone out and I'm like, you know, trying to hurry this person up. Cause I'm like, I can't miss this person. And lo and behold, her name is Haley Bechtel. She was best friends with Angie Kenzinger and she was so nice. We started talking. I asked her if she was from Boston or whatnot. Um, and she just so nonchalantly was like, Oh my God, my, my best friend is the coach over at St. John's. Um, you know, she's always looking for young people to coach with, is that something of interest? And I was like, yeah, sure. And so she's like, all right, you got to give me your email. I'm going to, you know, pass it along. And I was like, all right, cool. So you know, and at, at that time I was like, okay, well, I can't do this part-time job forever. So I got to make a choice. I got to either go back to teaching 
with the degree I have or, you know, find something else. And within a couple hours, Angie had emailed me asking to get coffee and it's, it's kind of all history. So I, I truly, truly owe Haley Beckel everything because if she hadn't walked in that day, you know, it was just kind of like fate, like certain paths crossing. Yeah, that's um, an awesome story. Yeah, so she she really like kind of saved me. Yeah, I've got to ask the, the 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 person Ronnie wanted you to go meet. <laughs> so I have a feeling Ronnie and I at this point played against each other. I think he and I reconstructed that when he and I were talking at one point. So he he had mentioned he wanted you to meet somebody. Do you know who that was? Um, Mike Donnelly. Oh. <laughs> That's so awesome. He was coaching at Episcopal. Um, he was coaching the girls at that time. Now I think, is he coaching the boys? Yep, he's the boys okay, coach so now. Went back to the boys. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, maybe he was just like, ooh, like somebody else that coaches girls across, like get her over here. But um, That is so awesome. So Donnelly's one of like my favorite lacrosse people ever. Oh, nice. Donnelly's awesome. Yeah, he's just such a terrific guy. Um, that is awesome. I love that story. So you, you had already made connections with Donley and with Angie at that point. That is super cool. Very yeah. Cool. So I actually, I never met, I think I might've met Mike passing when Ronnie's lacrosse game, um, when Ronnie's lacrosse game was done, or I think when we played Episcopal or something, um, because I never, when he wanted to meet me, I never, I was like, no. I'm not coaching. I'm not teaching. I'm not going to waste your time. I'm not meeting this guy. So, you know, we, we've met in passing a few times, but that's really it. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, Don Lee's huge in the local lacrosse community. Right? Yeah. I mean, he's been here for what, 40 years or whatever it's been now. Right. I mean, geez, he's a giant. That's awesome. What a terrific story. Um, yeah. So tell me how, Tell me the, the story about the relationship with Angie and how she brought you on board at, at St. John's. So she, so she had emailed me a couple hours later that day. Um, and I had started by that time I had started looking up schools in the area and obviously, you know, knowing that St. John's is one of the top. We decided to meet for coffee and, um, you know, it's kind of like the rest is history. So she was just super, like, I, I don't know, she was like super warm and jolly and kind of not what I had expected. We met at Starbucks, so I didn't know who was going to walk up, um, you know, but I can remember she, you know, walked up with this bounce and she had like a red turtleneck on and her St. John's vest. And she was just, you know, super friendly and kind of like such a mom. So did you, I mean, that, that first time y'all met, it sounds like, it sounds like you hit it off. I mean, did, did, yeah, you, did you walk away from that meeting, you know, either knowing this is what you wanted to do or at that point, was she like, man, this is, I, I've got a role for you. Let's go. Yeah, she really was. It wasn't kind of like a, a, oh, let's see if this works out. It was like, all right, you know, like I, I even think she told me, she's like, all right, we have a camp on Saturday. Can you stop by? Like, what are you doing? Like, she just had that way. You know, she almost didn't give you a chance to say no or have any other option. Um, 
but she was just such like a warm personality that I can't imagine many people ever said no to her. So what was what was your first role um, with the St. Thomas? Or I'm sorry, the St. John's team. So I started in the spring, and I was the JV one head coach, um, and had. So St. John's is fortunate enough. We have one of the largest programs. So there's three upper school teams. There's a varsity team, a JV one team, and then a JV two team. So I was the head coach of the JV one team. And then I had two assistants um, that were so phenomenal. One is one of our JV coaches now. Um, and the other was an alum and, and helps out as much as she can. Um, but they, like, if it weren't for, th like, they just made my first season. in the whole program, like, they're really, really special. Like, the coaches that all coach in that program are super special, and we're just such a close-knit, tight family. I, I know I could call on any of them at any time for anything, and it wouldn't even be a question. Um, so, you know, it was just kind of like I fit right in right away, and it was just, it was, it was just easy to, to love and to want to be a part of the program so this was 2016 if i have my math right yes awesome so how did so you've been there since 2016 so how is how has your role at st john's changed since 2016 what, what you know after that first season then, then what happened right how did it change from there so yeah, so it was kind of interesting. So at that time, when I started, I was the JV1 head coach and still working part-time, and I was, like, um, starting to look for full-time teaching jobs. And Angie was aware that I, you know, wasn't looking to work part-time jobs anymore and go that I wanted to go back to teaching. Um, so I had a couple interviews, and one was – actually at Kincaid and it was a full day interview and I, you know, left there. Everyone was super nice, super welcoming. It's a fantastic school. Um, and I would have been okay working there, but it just wasn't like something was just tugging at my heart at St. John's. Um, but there were no full-time PE positions open at St. John's and so I was starting to really kind of come to terms with, well, shoot, this might be my one and only season because if I get offered a full-time job at Kincaid, um, I have to take it. I need a, I need to go back full-time. And so I, I went to Kincaid, I interviewed, and I don't know, you know, there's different stories. Word on the street is that, you know, they were going to offer me a job and whatnot. Um, and then... Vince Arduini, the athletic director of St. John's, had told me the week before, you know, we love having you here. I'm so sorry. We just don't have full-time positions open. And I'm like, you know, not a problem. I get it. Um, and then, so I interviewed at Kincaid, and then, you know, I don't know what happened. The, you know, I, I'm assuming Angie did, you know, some string pulling behind the scenes. And so the day that we suspected Kincaid would offer me something, um, I got called into 
Vince's office and he, you know, slid a contract across the, across his desk and was like, we would love it if you would stay here full time. And it could have been a $10 salary and there wasn't a shot in hell. I was saying no. So you know, it wasn't even a question. Um, but so, so yeah, then after that I was on full time and then 2017 was my first year full time at St. John's teaching. Um, I did, you know, JV one again. Um, I think I did JV one for three years and then last year, Angie pulled me up as an assistant for varsity and now I'm here. Yeah, that's an awesome story. That's good stuff. How, yeah. um, what? It's interesting at the private schools like Kincaid and, and St. John's, and this is girls or boys, right? The challenge is, you know, recruiting and finding athletes because those schools get these kids and these families locked in so young and those kids are in that school from, you know, kinder or, you know, early on. It's not like you can go out and, and, and find athletes, right? Right. You really got to grow them, right? Is, has that been a challenge for you? Um, I mean, I think I'm, I'm now just kind of seeing the challenges of it now that I'm, you know, at the forefront. Um, Angie, a number of years ago, started a youth program called Swizzle Sticks, which definitely allows me to tap into kind of the kids that don't go to St. John's, you know, that maybe go to Presbyterian or River Oaks or, you know, the Lamar sections. Um, but beyond that, it's, you know, it is difficult to try to kind of know the talent out there and, and figure out. And I'm always kind of going back and forth on whether I want to get into, um, you know, grit has their program down here. And they're a phenomenal program that, you know, started in Dallas and I would love to do it, but it's just a matter of, I kind of love keeping the balance of, you know, my girls are my girls in my season. And I think there's something to be said about them hearing different coaches outside of the spring and in the summer. And, you know, so I've been toying with the idea of, you know, helping grit out and possibly a younger you know, the middle school level or something. Um, but I don't, I don't have an overwhelming sense of want or desire to have to be with the high school girls. Um, I think, you know, there's something to be said about me working with the younger ones and just seeing the talent overall and then developing a relationship. And then, you know, St. John's, it's kind of, it's kind of nice too. St. John's doesn't recruit and it's kind of, if they can get in academically, um, the sports is a bonus. So right. I kind of take some pressure off us as well. You mentioned, um, did you say that there was a, a program called Swizzle Sticks? Is that correct? Yeah. So Swizzle Sticks is our youth program and we take girls from all schools. We start at third grade and we go up to eighth grade. And that's something you're still doing? Yeah. So we do it. We have, um, we do like a three-day camp in the summer. We have a fall session. We'll have like a third and fourth team, a fifth and sixth grade team, and then a seventh and eighth grade team. And then in the spring, we drop the seventh and eighth grade team because we, you know, Angie kind of really built 
deprogram on the premise that, you know, we play for the love of the game and we, we really play for our school. So we're not um, a typical club team. We don't offer any tryouts. We take everyone um, up until our registration's full. And then we, you know, we will play competitive games, but it's not as competitive like these other club teams. Um, so it's kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of a nice balance and it's nice now that grit is down in Houston. So girls can play Swizzle Six and get one aspect of the game and then they can go on and play a little more competitive and play at a higher level and travel and do all that stuff with with that group. I think you said uh, Swizzle Sticks is open to anybody, correct? Correct. Awesome. Is the I'm curious, so you know, with a with a program like Swizzle Sticks, right, and and, and one of the differences, obviously, between the, the boys' game and the girls' game is, is the equipment and the investment that's required in equipment, right? Yeah. There's less of a barrier to entry to the girls' game. I mean, do, do you see an impact of that? Do you, do you find it easier with programs like Swizzle Sticks to, to pull those, those younger girls in, those athletes in, because there's a less of a barrier? Um... I don't know if it's, I feel like we're, we do a really great job of, you know, offering up because girl sticks are still pretty pricey. Um, and then, but we do a great job of, we have extra sticks on hand. We have extra goggles. Um, but I don't know if we're, you know, it will be interesting to see where social six goes in the next couple of years. I, I would love it, you know, to still remain for the love of the game, but unfortunately, like sometimes parents are now, you know, with the recruiting younger and younger, parents want a more competitive club on the weekend. They don't, you know, it's not so much like I just want my kid a part of a team and to be active on the weekend and having fun. It's now I need my kid to be a part of the best team that's going to the best tournaments with the best exposure. Um, so to be, so I don't, I don't necessarily think we draw the top, top athletes, but I think what we do offer is a really great program with a really great message and the girls leave their feeling that they've made a new friend. They feel good about themselves and they've, you know, learned some lacrosse along the way. Yeah. Awesome. But, um, I think David on the boys side He's got uh, something similar, um, and now I can't remember the name of it. All of a sudden, yeah. So he has shellbacks. Shellbacks. So, so do y'all do y'all coordinate that at all, or are they just two completely separate things? Do you work together at all to to maybe have you know boys and girls out there at the same time or anything like that? So we don't. So I think a couple years ago when David wanted to start this, he teamed up with Angie and essentially. Um, you know, came up with the name Shellbacks. It just so happens that it goes nicely with Swizzle Six. And then he kept the same colors. And then he chose Shellbacks because it's a Navy term. Um, that means, I think, something crossing over from one side to the next or, you know, moving up. Um, so it's kind of cool. Like, there's similarities. It's like the same color scheme. The name sounds similar. But we we don't practice together. We don't really do anything. Um, and I feel like that's kind of just mainly because the games are so different. Right. You know, it's not for a lack of, 
you know, relationship or anything. Everybody's super close. And, you know, Brent Bechtel kind of oversees everything and helps David and Swizzle Sticks. So it's nice. But it's generally at the same time on Saturday. It's just different fields. Oh, gotcha. So th this is the part where you get to educate me, I, I hope you don't mind, a little bit more about the state of the girls game in Houston more broadly. Um, I was trying to, I'm scratching my head trying to figure out how, how many, at the varsity level here in Houston, how many girls teams are uh, competing at the, at, at the varsity or JV level right now? Um, so right now in Houston, we have two divisions. And then in Division One, we have, I want to say, 11 or 12 teams. And then in Division Two, we have, you know, roughly 10. And then um, I mentioned this before, St. John's is, you know, extremely fortunate enough where we have such a large program where we can have two JV teams. That's for sure not a norm. Um, most schools will have a JV team, but some of these teams that are still deemed a club program and that are, aren't recognized by their schools will only have a varsity team. Do you have an opportunity to travel at all? I mean, the, the number of, you know, of private schools, especially here in town, is, is, is pretty small, right? So I assume you travel to San Antonio, Austin, Dallas to, to find games as well? Yeah, so we'll go, we'll go, um, you know, we have certain SPC counter games that we'll go to Austin and Dallas for, and then, um, you know, those school that those schools are also in the Southern Preparatory Conference League, so we'll certainly see them. They're they're on our schedule, but you know if we go up to Austin or Dallas, we'll try to pick up teams. Like Vandergrift is a great um, competitor that we played last year, you know, and I'm looking to schedule a weekend trip to Dallas next year to solely play them. Um, you know, and then, but other than that, we really only travel for spring break, which we were supposed to go to San Diego this year, but, you know, Corona shut, shut it all down. Yeah. Shut everything down for sure. <laughs> for sure. The, um, how, so on the, on the boys side, right, we have THSLL, right. And, and SPC and the SPC schools belong to THSLL and they play a THSLL schedule, but then there's also an SPC you know, championship and a tournament and all. Is, is it similar on the girls' side? Yeah, it's similar. We'll play, you know, so for instance, we play during our regular season, we'll play Lamar, um, we'll play Memorial, and then, but, you know, then we certainly have our SPC schedule where we'll have, like, certain counter games against Kincaid Episcopal. Um, and then we normally would have gone up to Austin and played St. Michael's, um, St. Andrews up there. But this year, Audi actually joined the conference. So they, so the two Austin schools bumped north. So the Dallas schools had to play them, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, I didn't realize Audi added a team. That's interesting. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, so they're now a part of, you know, the SPC along with Houston Christian, um, Episcopal, Kincaid. And then, so we'll have like a cities. 
So we'll have like our city um, championship game and then we'll go on to SPC and then we'll also go on to, you know, depending on our seating, we'll go on to like a state tournament, which could also have Lamar or um, other schools in. And, and during the state tournament, they have a division one and a division two bracket. Yeah, real similar to the boys. Um, yeah. The you mentioned grit. I mean, what what is the 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 off season scene like here in the Houston area for girls right now? It's definitely interesting. I feel like me growing up, the off season was less practices and just kind of getting out there and playing. Um, what I see down here is that the off season for these girls is a practice once or twice a week. And then they'll travel, um, all over like Florida, Denver, Maryland, California, wherever for these big tournaments for a weekend. And you know, what I saw last year is grit kind of goes heavy for one month or so. So they'll have, a, a bunch of practices and then they'll travel and then a bunch of practices and travel and it'll go that way for a couple weeks and then it's kind of like summer break so it's not entirely through the summer um it's kind of I don't know maybe six weeks where it's it's the practices ramp up and it's kind of like a Monday through Thursday practice and then they will travel on a Friday play Saturday Sunday come back um so you know, it's a little different. I'm kind of used to in the winter or the summer just playing games all the time and certainly having enough teams around the area in which I grew up to play. So I never really had to travel that far to play. Is the, and I assume the, you know, the whole recruiting scene is just as crazy on the girl side in the off season as it, as it is on the boy side. Yeah, and that's definitely something that's newer to me because, A, I never went through it. Um, B, I, I never had any aspirations of being a D1 player, so it was never on my radar. And C, like, I think it's – Houston is such a blip on the map of girls across, and so you add that in with parents who are new to recruiting, and then, you know, Houston's not – super recognized right now it kind of goes through ebbs and flows but so it's it's definitely a struggle and I'm definitely it's a it's a work in progress for me because Angie had you know 20 plus years of experience and relationships she built and so I'm kind of now having to rebuild those relationships and um so I feel like the recruiting has definitely been something new um a bit of a struggle because you know, unfortunately, the current juniors were caught in a situation where they started the process with Angie and then they're finishing it with me. Um, but, you know, I think everybody's been, for the most part, you know, just understanding of the situation. And we do have one girl right now that's committed to going to Dartmouth, so that's exciting. Um, so I am looking forward to, in the next coming years, just continue continuing to build those relationships with college coaches and whatnot. What, um, I'm going to change topics completely on you. Sorry. There's, um, 
here in Houston, there there is a women's league, right? And I, I think uh, I think last summer, uh, the men's league teams we we played this this crazy modified outdoor seven on seven. It was it was just this wild. I don't even. It was this weird hybrid that we played a a, a a season of during the summer, and I think on that same field after us, the women's league played a similar a similar game. Is is there a pretty mature women's league presence here in Houston, or is or is that relatively small? I've heard some of the girls that I've worked with. I've heard. Um... Uh, one of the girls I worked with, Hannah, she played at Lehigh, and she would she would talk about like pickup games and stuff. I'm not sure exactly if it has the traction. Um, that's something I would definitely be interested in to know if there is an actual kind of league. But I kind of feel like it's come and go for the most part. Yeah, and, and you 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 nailed the next thing I was going to ask you about with pickup games. I'm a I'm a big believer in pickup games on the boys' side, and you know I'm always talking to coaches, and you know we, we've been several coaches leading into the summer, and I've talked about you know kind of organizing standing pickup games that maybe rotate around the city, or we host in a single facility all the time. I mean, are there opportunities like that for girls in Houston? I mean, dur- during the summer, are there designated fields where there's just pickup games that are hosted, and and, and the girls can go play? Um, <clears throat> there's, there's not really that I know of. Ronnie and I, <coughs> excuse me, Ronnie and I last summer, um, we started kind of a fun, or actually two summers ago, we started a fun little thing where, you know, every Thursday from six to seven thirty, any incoming freshman up to senior could come and we would just play the boys and girls together. We would just all drop six and then, you know, randomly throw out the six to divvy up the teams. And we would just play girls rules. So it was very nonchalant, but just a way for them to get out there, get the six in their hand. But that is kind of something I'm always toying with. And, you know, whether or not I want to try to do something more, you know, more kind of tailored to girls only, whether it's a 77 or just a general pickup game. Um, I think it, I think it would, I've thought about this before. I think it'd be cool to do kind of mixing schools together. So it's not always, you know, St. John's versus Kincaid or Kincaid versus or whatever. Just kind of, because our girls know each other and they have relationships and they play with, they play on great teams together. They you know, go to clinics together or whatever. So I think it'd be cool to do if we did a 7v7, you know, allow the girls to kind of pick their own teams and you can have girls from other schools, you cannot, whatever you want. Um, but I kind of think that is something that could happen down the road as, you know, as it gains more and more traction. It's just a matter of when, um, because a lot of the families do travel during the summer and, you know, like I said, grit is pretty heavy in one month. So it's just kind of finding the perfect time to do such a thing. Matt, I really like the idea of the mixed game, that mixed pickup game with boys and girls. How, how did that go off? It's, I mean, it sounds like y'all, 
you started it a couple summers ago, right? So I imagine you have some experience with it. How, how did that come off? Was it cool? Yeah, I think it's super fun. And I think, you know, I think it's definitely something we'll continue this summer. Um, and it's, it's fun. Like you definitely have some, you know, I think it just like breaks a barrier to and just kind of lets the kid play and have fun and not really worry because we'll switch things up where guys have to play with the girl sticks and vice versa. Um, you know, so it's, it's interesting to see. And I think they learn to appreciate each other's games, especially the boys appreciating the girls because they realize that the sticks are actually way more difficult to catch with than a boy's stick. But then on the other hand, the girls are recognizing that a boy's stick is way more difficult to throw and shoot with than a girl's stick. Um, so I think it's something that's been fun. I think it's something that will continue and, you know, it's just, it's just like get out there and move and, and get the stick in your hand and have fun. That's all we really want. What was some of the feedback you got maybe from, you know, from your players regarding those games? I mean, did they come back to you and say, you know, Hey, I I got this and this and this out of that. What, What were those things that they got out of it? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's necessarily any, I think the biggest thing we get is kind of the difference of the sticks. We, we always hear the boys and girls talking about the difference of the sticks, but what I really like to see is kind of the girls just, you know, not being bashful and going out there and being a badass and, you know, not getting caught up that they're playing against the boys or with the boys or anything, but just going out there and being a competitor regardless of the situation. And there's nothing on the line. There's, you know, it's not meant for anything but to have fun. So, you know, it's it's cool to see the girl that's kind of timid and shy at first to be like, you know what, screw it. Like, I'll take a long pole and give it a shot. So. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's an awesome... Uh... Awesome event. Yeah, we got to keep in touch on that. That sounds like fun. All right. Man, it's getting late. I'm old. 930 is is late for me. Um, Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about before we get get out of here? Um, This is your chance. Yeah, I I don't think so. I think it's just... I think it's such an interesting, so like it is my first season. Um, you know, I, I was lucky enough. I got to work with Angie for a number of years and she was totally my mentor and whatnot, but it really is kind of just a strange first season, you know, with the, you know, with the obvious elephant in the room, the loss of Angie. And then it's just such a bizarre season with the whole coronavirus. Um, so I'm, I'm, hoping that my coaching career is starting out this way so that I can handle any situation that comes. But I'm, I'm very hopeful that every season will not be this exciting in, you know, all the strange things that happen. Um, but, you know, I'm kind of bummed that my first season is either, you know, I'm, I'm still remaining hopeful that it's not cut short, that it's just on a pause right now and that we're going to be able to end the season but, you know, I'm really looking forward to just diving into the St. John's community. And it, it really is my passion. Um, 
and it really is it, it gives me purpose every day and and I could not be more thankful for the the community and the opportunity I've been given so I'm very very fortunate to be working at St. John's yeah that's awesome I'm, I'm excited um you sound fired up and that, that's awesome yeah. I love it I also <laughs> I, I enjoy the fact that you, know, you, you haven't you, you you just you still really haven't been here that long but you obviously have, have, have gotten up to your eyeballs in the local lacrosse community. And I love the fact that, you know, again, there was a Mike Donnelly reference. And that, that's just super cool. That was good stuff. Well, I appreciate you spending time with me. Uh, Likewise, thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. Uh,